Have you been shadow banned by the liberal media? Free market got you down? Do you get ratioed on every Twitter post because of your shit takes on literally everything? Then producer Dave and HK are probably watching your three-hour dissertation on how a tomato cannot possibly be a fruit because gender and critical race theory can be cured with ivermectin. The Intellectual Dollar Tree, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Please leave it a one-star review on iTunes. Check out the rest of our schedule at ecoplexmedia.com. At some point, we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds. Enlarge cities.
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Friday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Your humble host almost didn't make it tonight. Had a, had a lot to do today, but I made it just in right under the wire, everybody. So, uh, yeah, the for live viewers, there's no docket link available in the chat this week. I'm sorry about that, but you'll be able to check it out in the show notes. And if you're interested, maybe I'll... Uh, drop it in the chat during the break between uh this and uh conspiracy bingo speaking of which after this show every week is conspiracy bingo that is a live only show so you know that's a live only show of course patrons get it too patrons and uh people at uh eplex.store which is a great place to support us we have a sticker promo going on right now um the bot will tell you about it in the chat and if i remember i'll put it in the show notes and um you can buy stuff from us there you can join via memberships you can donate whatever whatever i'm producer dave find me on grinder what's up this is the councilman you can find me on twitter at t-h-e underscore councilman that's the councilman uh if twitter's still there i really haven't checked in a while uh, although i think i've got a bot that still posts whenever we're we're live so anyway um <laughs> hope to see you out there hope to see you lurking in the public comment section in city council um but please be gentle with your public officials it's a rough time of year uh, speaking of public comments, don't miss Catterday tomorrow because there was a Shasta County Board of Supervisors meeting this week. Rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty lit. A bunch of bad stuff happened there. But we're not here to talk about Shasta, though we could do a Shasta. Maybe if you want, if you want to do Shasta next week. A lot's been going on. It might be good to recap here on a down ballot. We'll could I have a strawberry it. Shasta? Yeah. Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah like a, cool. or like a, like a like a lime soda or maybe even the, the grape one. The grape, oh, yeah, the grape, yeah. Grape oh, delicious. Really yeah. I can only drink like half a can of that shit, though. That's hella sweet. <laughs> anyway, that's, <laughs> we'll talk about all this off air. Um, Absolutely. This is a show about San Francisco Bay Area local news. Um, so what do we have for leading off, Councilman? Well, it's local to us, but it is uh, somewhat national. Uh, so um, as you may know, or you haven't, haven't heard, you might be living under a rock somewhere. There's a presidential election next year. Um, and President Joe Biden is geared up to run again and is the uh, you know, prohibitive Democratic favorite for the nomination. Um, however, there are some out there who aren't super keen on Joe Biden being the nominee again and uh, might, might be looking for something new. And if they are, uh, Robert Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. provides uh, an alternative. And he was in the Bay Area uh, just recently, and we're going to learn more about it. America's most famous political dynasty, and he's out to disrupt President Biden in the race for the White House. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is testing out the waters of his Democratic presidential bid on a high-profile visit to the Bay Area today. Kennedy is the son of late former Senator Robert F. Kennedy and the nephew of the late former President John F. Kennedy. He's known for his work as an environmental lawyer and for his anti-vaccine views. He's also backed by some big names in tech and including Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey. And while he's considered a long-shot challenger to President Biden in 2024, a new poll by The Economist and YouGov shows him with a higher favorability rating than both Biden and former President Trump. 49% of voters viewed him favorably compared to... Oh, but that's just because they don't know what's up. Well, yeah, do the math. I mean, the, you've got 79% total here for... Uh, RFK and then the other two, you know, 97% Biden, 98, 96% Trump, right? So that means that there's 4% of people that just haven't made, their, made up their mind about Trump or don't know. There's about 3% of people who've made up their mind about Joe, who haven't made up their mind about Joe Biden or just, you know, don't know enough. And there's a good 
30% of people um, who don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, at least 20% of people who don't uh, have an opinion yet of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And they could all go negative. And I bet, I bet a lot of people don't know that, that he's a, an anti-vaccine grifter. Yes, I think if they learn more about that, that might skew the, the other 20% towards the negative. And maybe the, the favorable, too. Some of those people might go, oh. Correct, correct. <laughs> so this, this is a classic, you know, early on, uh, first date, you know, getting to know you, blind date kind of a situation, um, just based on the name alone, right? Like, uh, so once, yeah, once people get to know him a little better, I think we'll find uh, these, these numbers shifting just a bit. 45% for Biden and 43% for Trump. Kelsey Thor had caught up with RFK Jr. as he made several stops here today, and she is live with his message and how he's being received here in the Bay Area. Kelsey? Hey, Liz, as you said, Kennedy spent the entire day here in the Bay Area. He made several stops here in the East Bay before going over the bridge into San Francisco. And his main goal here was to talk about the issue of food insecurity as well as homelessness. And we followed him along as he talked to some local officials all day. 2024 presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s first stop during Thursday's tour of the Bay Area was here at a food bank in San Lorenzo. The presidential hopeful spoke with workers and customers about the rising cost of food and the impact that's having on local families. This food bank, which is Alameda County, has... Why didn't he shame that person for wearing a mask? Increased in the past three years from, according to the people who work here, from 700 families per month to now 2,700 families per month. Kennedy says food insecurity is one of the top issues his campaign is focused on. He believes the federal government should be spending less money on international military aid and more on helping Americans access food. We have a lot of money for, uh, for foreign wars. And for the military-industrial complex, we're sending 113 billion to the Ukraine. That money we wouldn't have the Ukraine stamps if we were spending the Ukraine. The Facebook. Kennedy's next stop on the tour was a homeless encampment off 18th Avenue in Oakland. There, he spoke with people living on the street. We used to have a weed grow right over there. Been helping them out by donating food and other items. Christine Miller has been giving food to the homeless here for years. She didn't realize who Kennedy was at first. She told me she was happy he took the time to come out here and talk with her, but hopes he can actually do something to help. Are they really going to do something to help? That'd be great if they would. It'd be great if they would. Kennedy told me if elected, he would work hard to improve these issues in the Bay Area and across the country. This wonderful energy. Uh, that San Francisco. Oh, they're going to let him off the hook and not ask him about vaccines. Used to oh, yeah. Is, uh, is dwindling at the lightest dimming and it needs to be it needs to be turned on again. Do you think you can get a lot of support from voters here? And do you think if you were president, you'd be able to turn some of that around? That's what I, that's what I hope to do. Now, a lot of people are looking at Kennedy's campaign as very much a long shot when it comes to uh, the 2024 presidential election. Right now, a lot of people are looking at Governor Gavin Newsom and if and when he's going to enter into the race. He's I not. did ask Kennedy what he thought of that. He said that he's all for the governor entering the race. He says it's better for the public to have more choices in a presidential election like this.
Well, he's got name recognition, that's for sure. All right, Kelsey, thanks so much. Well, earlier we spoke with Sonoma State political science professor David McEwen. And while he Ooh. says RFK Jr. isn't a threat to President Biden, he does have a message that resonates with some progressives. He's been the guy that's like your crazy uncle that you invite to, to home uh, for Thanksgiving and says these kind of outrageous things. But it has some pull, especially amongst progressives who have been increasingly frustrated, not only with the Biden White House, but also with Democrats writ large about war, about corporate America, about where Democrats stand. And this is how the RFK Jr. is making some political hay. Professor McEwen went on to say that RFK Jr. is trying to upset President Biden in the early primary states. The president successfully pushed to change the schedule to have South Carolina's primary first, but New Hampshire and Iowa could move ahead with their contests anyway without Biden on the ballot. So things get very interesting. Boo. Boo, boo. news reporters. Boo. Right? Not, not very good coverage there, especially after they bothered to put the bullet up in the initial introduction that he's an anti-vaxxer right that's the only reason he's even like running is right. because he's become popular he is especially during the height of covid he was like more and more popular his profile raised a lot before he was like just kind of um kind of a crank you know yeah ironically the poor guy sounds like he has long covid i hope he's okay like, you know he has a speech he has a speech impediment we cover him at we've covered him at length ah uh, he has a, got it. He has some sort of speech oh. impediment. There's okay. Well, my my fault then. I apologize for that. But um, anyway, but uh, he definitely has an impediment in terms of being a, an anti-vaxxer. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, pop, boo on the local news for not coming through. But then again, what do we expect from the local news? Yeah, I mean, they could have. I don't. I don't. I didn't expect them to go after him, but I expected yeah. like them to ask him about it. Like, well, I mean, it's a good question. You know, like it, you're in the Bay Area, right? This is a very progressive region, very, very heavily into the vax, very heavily into the mask, right? Um, do you ex expect that to be a problem for you <laughs> in the Bay Area when in, in wooing Democratic voters and money, right? That's a that's a totally valid question. Um, even if you don't want to just go right at him, like why don't you why do you oppose vaccinations? Just frame it in the context of the campaign. Like, do you think that's going to be kind of challenging? If he, I think if he breaks like twenty five percent in the polls, I think there you're going to start seeing attack ads about him. Oh sure, but it's not, he's not going to break that, right? I think he's he. I think his ceiling is approximately twenty percent. Well, I mean, the reason why he wants Gavin Newsom in the race is because he just needs more people in the race to bring Biden's numbers down, right? He, there's no way he can get anywhere close to 50% on his own. You, be so careful Be careful what you race. wish for, because Gavin will go after him if he's in the race. Sure, sure. Oh, I, I would I would imagine so. Um, so uh, we shall see. Uh, also, Gavin Newsom's not going to run, right? Oh, not not next year. I don't believe so. No, it would be... It, for it, 2028. He, he would be screwing up his chances of getting um institutional democratic support in 28 right if right. he if he tries yeah, to run yeah, against no. biden yeah no he's absolutely running for 2028 he's just trying to gear up uh, he that's why he's gearing up this constitutional amendment campaign because he needs something to do for the next couple of years after he he turns out um of the governorship in a couple of years so that, that dude to, that that dude needs to hire me because he's actually going to alienate more people with that thing than he's going to electrify i think oh you know well, he, he hires the best, and then he has sex with their wives. So I guess, you know... That's you my favorite thing about, about him. With you, right? That's my favorite <laughs> thing about him, actually. Anyway, 
Uh, but that's leading off for this week. We, we, will, we will obviously be following the presidential race uh, on many, many of the programs here on Echoplex Media. So please, uh, but we, we uh, stay tuned. We also look at the underside of things and we tend not to look at the sort of MSNBC, CNN side of things. So I really enjoy that about our, our network. Well, let's move on to winners and losers where there are no let's. winners. And if on the off chance that anybody does win, it was not the one you were rooting for. Right. Well, there's a bunch of losers in this one, except maybe the, the young lady that got uh, got a ride. But um, oh, let's yeah, find this, out more about us following up on a story. We've been, we've been following this on, on this for like a year now, haven't we? It's It's been almost that long. Yeah, at least nine months. Um, but yeah, let's find out more about what's happening uh, with uh, the infamous San Jose Fire Department pink poodle incident. Well, we have obtained new information this afternoon about how the San Jose Department disciplined one of its own over the so-called pink poodle incident. So you may recall the cell phone video that we showed you from last fall uh, showing a woman uh, you see right there in a bikini walking out of a fire truck straight into the San Jose Strip Club. Well, today we learned a fire captain has been demoted. And our Damien Trujillo first broke this story. You'll remember back in October. He joins us now with the update you'll see only on NBC Bay Area. I had heard a few months ago that a fire captain had been demoted and today city records confirmed it. And now a retired fire captain is asking why it took so long. The cell phone video from October 5th went viral and left San Jose Fire with a lot of explaining to do. It shows a woman in a bikini exit in San Jose Fire Engine 4 with its emergency lights on and walk into the Pink Poodle Strip Club. Now we know the ship captain was punished, but the punishment is raising new questions. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's taken a long time and a lot of confusion uh, when the story first came out uh, by you about the, the incident at the Pink Poodle. Richard Santos is a retired fire captain who's been critical of the handling of the Pink Poodle investigation. In April, the fire chief apologized while releasing the results of his investigation and said that disciplinary action was taken, but he refused to say what that action was or who was disciplined. He did reveal that night the fire crew drove an unauthorized man to work at the Pink Poodle. Then, according to the chief, a woman requested a ride-along, which the crew first denied. But the report says the woman persisted and was driven around the block. She persisted. Santos is upset that it took eight months for all the information to come out. This has taken too long and it's still uh, very vague of what really took place. And uh, it's a shame. He's right. I want to know. I mean, I guess. No, that's not vague. Now we know. Just, you know, it doesn't make it look good. It's, it's a real shame. And so I'm, I'm sorry to hear that it took so long. The city confirmed for me today that no other disciplinary action was taken. In a statement, Mayor Matt Mahan said the former fire captain violated public trust, and I believe his demotion held him accountable. The mayor we will now invest in fire captain robots. Information took so long to become public, saying only that he will continue to push for more transparency from City Hall. In San Jose, Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. So it was nice of them to give somebody a ride to work, but yeah, I think so. I mean, it's uh, it's courteous, but but you know, I I do appreciate that they said no the first time. Nonetheless, she persisted. Whatever that means. <laughs> uh but uh, you know, end of the day, no one was hurt. No one, no fires were not put out because of this incident. So, uh, you know, a little reprimand, a little punishment, you know, I don't know if anyone needs to get fired necessarily. We haven't a big enough shortage of public safety officers as it is. Um, so I don't know if a member of the public asks for a ride around the block in the fucking fire truck. I mean, 
they just you you they should be able to do it. They just need to tell the member of the public like, hey, you know, if we get a call, we're gonna stop yeah, we the fire truck and you're getting out wherever we are. Yeah, I I did I did a ride along for half of a day with an engine, so I was in and out of the station, going to different calls. It was all there were no fires. It was all mostly medical calls, um, and one false alarm medical call. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty much it. Like it was, I kind of felt bad for them. <laughs> we uh, took a few calls, went to lunch, and they're getting you know they just ordered lunch right, and uh, they're you know they're getting the the whatever the five finger discount for being firefighters right and the food just comes out and they get a call <laughs> and they got it they got to go um so they did not get to enjoy lunch um right away they had to sit in their truck the oh, that's the in their truck while they yeah that's the job that's the job i mean you know it's a minor thing i'm uh if it, if it was my place on fire I'd be, I'd be pretty glad that they were like well we can't do lunch gotta go the shawarma has to wait <laughs> they like call you back they're like well we got we the shawarma hold on <laughs> you don't understand this is the best shawarma in town it takes a while to get to get this stuff listen if you don't ready. If, listen if you don't complain about this we'll bring you a shawarma i it, <laughs> uh we're, we're 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 idiots let's keep let's keep covering the news let's keep covering the news and we'll, we'll follow up on that as more as more heads roll um as sam Lucardo said back at the uh, at the time uh well uh speaking of heads rolling um eyes are kind of rolling at the way that San Francisco is responding to the fentanyl crisis, um, basically by bringing in CHP and anyone else, National Guard, who can help London Breed crack down on uh, what she seems seems to think is a growing problem uh, of, of drug on the streets. But uh, it seems like they've found a bunch of drugs um, through their work. So let, let's hear how much, how much drugs they found. Now on the recent crackdown on open-air drug dealing in San Francisco. Today, California, California's governor released new details. KTV's Christian Kaffin has more on where the governor's office says that officers have seized enough fentanyl to kill more than 2 million people. San Francisco police, the California Highway Patrol, and analysts from the California National Guard are all working together, gathering intelligence and patrolling the streets. That's the guy they don't like. They made him sit in the back. Market neighborhoods. Now, the governor's office is saying the combined effort has taken nine and a quarter pounds of fentanyl off the city's streets over the last six weeks, enough to provide a lethal dose to 2.1 million people. In that same time, the governor's office says officers have made 92 arrests. Police Chief Bill Scott talked to KTVU about the latest efforts to control the city's drug crisis, which includes arresting drug users as well as dealers. Uh, those officers has, have arrested, uh, as of yesterday, 41 people. But here's the statistic that uh, may not be surprising to some. Very few of those people are from the city of San Francisco. I think only, as of yesterday, three or four. Matt Dorsey, the supervisor for the city's south of market. Oh, build a wall around San Francisco, then. That's, that's the solution. The has become a sort of a drug destination. He says the answer to a problem as complex as the city's drug crisis isn't as simple as arresting people. I think law enforcement has a role to play. I think public health has a role to play. And I think in a city like San Francisco, we have to make sure that if we're making arrests, we're also not just putting them in jail. We should make sure that we're giving them access to services. Lydia Branston is the executive director of the Gubbio Project, aimed at creating a safe space for those experiencing homelessness. She said, post-COVID, San Francisco seems to be in a kind of compassion fatigue that leads to frustration and a larger police presence on the streets to address homelessness, mental health issues, and drug and alcohol dependency. 
Branston says there may be a place for law enforcement in trying to resolve homelessness and the drug and alcohol dependency crisis. But what's not happening, she says, is the necessary step for wraparound services for those who are arrested to make sure they can truly pursue a path to sobriety. But over the 50 years that law enforcement has tried to change conditions on street with people who use drugs is it doesn't work. It doesn't get people off of drugs. It may get people off the street for a mm -hmm. moment, but it is not actually a continuum of care that 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 works to get people the treatment that they need. The CHP's efforts have largely been in the form of traffic stops around town, and in the course of those stops, they've helped to make those arrests. Neither the California National Guard nor the CHP have said just how long they'll be deployed to the city. We're live in San Francisco. Christian Kafton, KTVU, Fox 2 News. All right, Christian, thank you. I, if the people are coming from outside of San Francisco, then maybe it's not San Francisco that's the shithole. Maybe it's the other cities. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I do love this narrative of you know oh, people are coming here because we're so lenient and there's so many social services and you can just do drugs anywhere and it's fine then so people come here it's like i i really don't understand that like these people folks obviously just have nowhere else to go right and they're they're not coming here for the the sun and the 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 rampant drugs and whatnot they, just, they ended up here um and they're they've ended up in a city like any other city and uh, we have to provide, yeah, provide them with services, yes, and 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 help them. Um, when it comes to like the people preying on them, the the dealers and the peddlers, right? We have to figure out a way to handle that too. But you, like you said, you're not going to put up a wall around the city, right? Um, the best thing you can do is uplift your own community and and you know keep them from getting into the the shit in the first place. Um, but it's you know, so if if it's, through, a, it's if, an intractable problem. If through traffic stops, what they're finding out is that maybe the people that they're they're getting are um, buying, you know, uh, quantities maybe to deal in the burbs. Maybe San Francisco should wage war on the burbs. Mm. Send all Possibly. them, send all them CHP officers to like fucking Burlingame or <laughs> fucking right. <laughs> well, we're the ones really driving like the market, frankly, like the the the, the Bourbonites, right, and the the kids from like from Burlingame exactly, and from because we don't Bruno, get caught. Right? Right, right. And, and you know, we're probably a more lucrative market anyway for, for a lot of these folks. A lot of these, the folks in the street are probably getting kicked down, hand-me-down, just, you know, the, the really bad shit drugs, right? The stuff that's heavily laced with fentanyl. That's why they're they're completely zonked out. Um, Jeff in chat just said, uh, no-knock raids in Campbell. They also have a tank they can just drive through your house in Campbell. <laughs> oh, we'll have that on the next down ballot, by the way. We'll have, we'll have an update on the tank. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and, and find that one. Um, but Or maybe a, a best of. Uh, anyway, uh, we yet to be seen if, if this crackdown is going to do anything to change the situation. I doubt it. Um, crackdowns generally don't just say no policies generally encourage just say yes attitude. Um, so, uh, we'll find out, but, um, Mayor Breed, as I mentioned, is very keen on this, this policy and, and really wants to be seen as the crackdown public safety mayor, it seems like, and she's getting into it now with fellow supervisors who are not so into the whole crackdown mentality. Um, and it's been boiling over uh, in the media. Now it's boiling over at Board of Supervisors meetings. We're going to find out more about that. 
Police now increasing enforcement to deal with the city's drug crisis. Police Chief Bill Scott last night presented his plan to the police commission. He said police officers need to do their part to help residents and business owners in the Tenderloin and South of Market neighborhoods who are fed up with the open-air drug markets. At least one member of the police commission questioned whether arresting people with drug addictions will make a difference. I do think arrest does change not not addiction but i think it's a deterrent to doing it at those locations in the open now chief scott also said the chp is training some of his officers about becoming experts in battling the drug crisis and drug trafficking and he says the national guard is helping to identify drug supply chains and the ways to disrupt them there is a lot of disagreement over san francisco's policy of detaining drug users to get them into treatment Will you follow your own Department of Public Health's advice and end punitive policies specifically arresting and incarcerating drug users that increase fatal overdoses, or will you ramp up these strategies, ignoring the advice of public health experts and causing even more overdose deaths? Mayor Breed. Here we go, another white man who's talking about black and brown people as if you're the savior. What the of fuck? People and you speak for them. I have a sister that I love. Mayor London Breed went on to say that her sister Whoa. died from a drug overdose. She asked Supervisor Dean Preston if he'd personally talked to drug addicts. At the end of the day, you've never lived in it. You've never experienced it. You don't know what most of these people and their family members are dealing with. I spend time every day speaking with those constituents. Um, I don't spend as much time uh, as you probably do meeting with the business interests that have been very clear <laughs> that they want to arrest and incarcerate drug users here in San Francisco. The San Francisco yeah. Department has been detaining people under health and safety codes related to public intoxication and drug possession in the city. Our time now. Whoa. Yeah, I was going to throw that on down ballot watch, but I figured why not just lead right into it with uh, the previous story. <laughs> Shit gets heated um, so, between geeky, geeky white boy and, and tough on crime black mayor. So I... He was just saying this is like policy of the department and of the city. And why are we doing the opposite when research shows that what you're doing doesn't work? And then yeah. she like, she made it personal, which I mean, whatever, like this is, you know, it's all in the game, baby. I don't get me wrong. Like I'm all for spicy uh, board of soups and city council meetings, but I, I think she right. was wrong. And as uh, the good wife pointed out to me earlier, this is pretty much like the best of both um, because the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco acts as the city council as well, too, right? So the, right. they govern the city and the ports and the county. So you're getting a lot, of, like double the spiciness at these meetings. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if that was a, it sounded like that was a direct lead in, right? His, his, you know, the Department of Public Health point right into her comment, her clap back. Yeah. And I don't, there must've been something that he said prior to that about black and brown children or something that like triggered her to sit, to just clap back like that. I don't know that, she, I don't know where that came from. Otherwise, like it, it seems like, or, or they've just, they, maybe these two, maybe Dean and her have gone at it, you know, on this topic many times before. And she's just tired of hearing his shit or he's tired of hearing her shit. And it's, that's just where it is. But that, <laughs> that, that escalated really quickly. That was like my, my little baby, like realizing I'm hungry in like five seconds, just going from, <laughs> you know, zero to <clears throat> one. <laughs> Yikes. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's crazy. I think, um, 
I think Mayor Breed's <clears throat> political ambition is maybe preventing her from doing the best job she possibly could as the mayor of the city and county of San Francisco. Might be getting in the way a little bit, right? Um, in a way, I think that's that might be one of the burdens we have here in San Jose is that I don't know that Mayor Ed 209 has any aspirations beyond this, um, so we, we may be in for the long haul. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, well, um, speaking of San Francisco and losers, um, some of, some folks in one neighborhood, according to NBC Bay Area, were not so keen on uh, folks putting popping up tents and living basically on their, their sidewalk. So they decided to do something about it. Something compassionate. I believe the effort to install large metal planters on several city blocks of Harrison Street is a way to stop people from camping out on sidewalks. ABC 7 News reporter Cornell Bernard is getting some strong reaction from the neighborhood, even from those living on the street. There's something new on Harrison Street in the Mission. These large metal planters recently installed between 18th and 20th Streets. I figure there's probably about 40 of these tubs out here with plants so it can only uh, just the effort and the energy it's got to make the world a better place a group of about 50 mission residents raised about $25,000 to install the heavy planters to beautify the street but others believe it's a way to deter homeless encampments from returning to the area everybody has to have a place to live but I personally I don't believe that the street or the sidewalk is a place for them to live a GoFundMe page for Harrison Street neighbors makes no mention of overnight camping, but the fundraising page shows before and after pictures from other neighborhoods with tents and planters. Any amount of planters is ever going to lead people off the streets. Some are critical of the project. Jennifer Friedenbach from the Coalition on Homelessness says fundraising efforts should be targeted elsewhere. So for us, you know, we really would love to see the neighbors uh, throw down and put that energy into um, fighting for housing for folks so that they can have a safe and decent place to live. Clearing public sidewalks is nothing new in the city. Last year, round planners were installed in the Castro to deter open-air drug dealing. And these boulders were installed in Clinton Park as a way to block tents on the sidewalk. But the boulders were later removed by public works at the request of neighbors <laughs> who paid for them because they were getting threats by those who disagreed with the idea. As for these planners, officials say Public Works supports neighbors' efforts to green and beautify their communities. Our main concern is to ensure that an accessible path of travel is maintained and that the planters are well maintained. The planners on Harrison appear to meet the standards. So you're not upset by those planners at all? No, no, it's just a way of life. Travis is living in a tent near Harrison. He says he doesn't blame neighbors for installing these planters. The people are tired of the camping, you know, camping out situation, and you know, it's it's a blight on the city, so to speak, as far as you know, personal view, and you know, people don't want to see it going home every day. Harrison Street neighbors behind fundraising efforts have not yet responded to our request for comment. In San Francisco, Cornell Bernard, ABC Seven News. <clears throat> so I thought <clears throat> when I saw this. You know, when I saw the planners, I just saw the word planners. I was like, oh, God, people right. put some fucking plants in and now the city's going to try to remove them. But no, no, that's right. not it at all. That's what it's. Right. And then I read the, you know, the rest of the thing on the docket here. I was like, ah, because yes. like we've done so many stories about like planners and benches and shit where like people put in benches like so that you have somewhere to sit. And right. uh, they, the city's like, well, you can't do that. So I thought, right. you know, when the I saw were pissed off, yeah, yeah, when I saw the word planter, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those things where like 
there's like a like a nice fucking petunia or something in a planter in the city's pissed but nope sure. nope the the people in the <clears throat> quickly gentrifying south of uh, market area are uh trying to trying to run out the uh people who might have uh, been victims of the quickly gentrifying south of market area yeah and public and public works is on board with it right like we've seen other uh stories from san francisco and other places local places where you know people put in you know temporary barricades and other things like this right on their street and public works like they run around with like their hair on fire and you know don't do that um and shuts it down right um or shutting down the businesses in chinatown because of their like signs that hang over the road or something i forget but but their awnings um but in this situation they issue a statement oh these look fine i mean they didn't apply for permits and you know no one no one asked us or anything but these look okay from the photos we've seen so they go ahead and do that um you know gentrified white people and and then and have fun in your neighborhood <laughs> wake us up later um so they're they seem to be on board with it so they're essentially you know piling on I mean, they 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 look kind of ugly. Yeah, I mean, it's just obvious, right? It's just like it's just like boulders. It's just boulders with succulents growing out of them. Yeah, like I uh, said, like I said, it, <clears throat> if if it were just because they thought they could put some plants out there, it'd be a great idea. But yeah, they're de- mm-hmm. they're definitely doing it to try to run the yeah. <clears throat> run people sleeping on the streets, like basically a block away. Essentially, that's all they're doing. Right. Or they and they could if they're really serious about like well I don't think that the sidewalk is an appropriate place for someone to live. Fuck you, bro. <laughs> um, they, they, yeah, most of the people out there it, don't, they agree with you. It's just that their circumstances such that yeah. What we're gonna do is as good neighbors, we're gonna take you all in. We're gonna find. We're gonna uh, pool our resources, find who has spare rooms. We're gonna take all of you folks in. And we're gonna put these planters out and beautify the neighborhood. And you can help us maintain the planters as part of us, you know, giving you free rent in our, in our apartments, uh, because we have these spare rooms. That seems reasonable to me. If they really don't think that people should be living on the sidewalk. To be fair, I don't think there's a lot of spare rooms in the Soma right I, now. I probably not, and it'd be too expensive probably to, but I'm, you know, a boy can dream, right? Yeah, yeah. So this next story, I believe, is about uh, Burlingame, and uh, bicycles. And my impression of Burlingame is that it's a, a place a lot like where I used to live, Campbell. It's sort of like Campbell on the peninsula. There's a little downtown, very walkable, very, very bicycle friendly place. And apparently the uh, they don't want a bike lane for the for the people riding the bikes because they're, yeah, this... I don't know, they're afraid that it's going to stop people from going to their. I fucking hate this. We've done a couple of these stories. Yeah, this is the story that you thought the last one was. <laughs> Welcome back. A plan is in the works to install new bike lanes on a very busy corridor in Burlingame. But now businesses still bouncing back from the pandemic tell our Max Darrow they're going to pay the price. There's busy month. The lunch rush at Maverick Jacks in Burlingame means all hands on deck. Oh, jeez. Including owner Michal Malit running orders throughout his restaurant. But Mally thinks days like this won't happen so as frequently as the city plans to completely change the roadway design in front of his restaurant. It's just another challenge that we really didn't need coming out of COVID. The city plans to rework the road to put in bike lanes along California Drive, including this stretch between Broadway and Carmelita. As a result, around a dozen parking spots will be eliminated, and cars traveling on California won't be able to make left turns into businesses like Maverick Jacks. The bike lane is effectively going to be here. So there's no way to cut across four lanes of traffic to come into my parking lot. 
The option that I've been told is happening is that folks will have to go to the light at Carmelita, make a U-turn into the egress at the parking lot and then come north again to enter like this car is here. It doesn't take a mathematician or a statistician to say that's probably not going to be good for my business. So one of Mally's biggest issues here is he says neither he nor other business owners along this block who'd be directly impacted by the project were even aware that the project was happening until recently, despite it being <laughs> in the works since 2021. So by the time they could voice their concerns to city leaders, the project had already been greenlit. We were completely uninvolved. We will do our best to make sure everyone knows those businesses are there. Mayor Mike Michael Brown Rigg acknowledges there was a communication issue. I know that we sent out two different mailings to 600 addresses that were affected by California Avenue. I also know that some number of business owners never got those notices. We need to do a better job. But still, the mayor says the project is moving forward. Goals include making the roads safer for cyclists and pedestrians and slowing down traffic on California. John Kevranian, the president of the Broadway Burlingame Business Improvement District, says the plan as is will hurt numerous businesses. Without making left turns, without going into driveways, no parking, it will devastate them. So we have to give and take and we have to find a compromise. The mayor says the city is now exploring ways to do that. In an email shared with business owners obtained by CBS News Bay Area, he says their concerns are heard loud and clear and the city hopes to correct the problem with final construction. We are looking now at a further tweak to allow left-hand turns um, into the businesses if you're on the other side of the street. Thank you. Mally hopes the city reconsiders the plan. It's a headache I really did not need. As he's sure he'll see fewer days like this if... It's only a headache because you're complaining about it. ...he can't afford to experience. So the mayor says moving forward, the city will not rely solely on the U.S. mail and newsletters to alert people of projects. The city's efforts will include drop-bys at affected stores and other visual means in the area to let people know a project is underway that they may want to comment on. All right. Let's what the well, fuck? Well, that last part I can definitely get behind. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. More, more public outreach about what's going on in the neighborhood is fine. And in fact, that's yeah. good. But like otherwise, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean that it, it's it's just a more the continuation of the misunderstanding, misinformed, underinformed, just car focused mentality, right? Like as if um, twelve parking spots and you know having to take a U turn at the next block is really going to impact your business. Like if you have a business people want to come to, if your burgers are the bomb, right? If I love going to your spot, I'm going to figure out a way to get there, car or not or otherwise, and maybe. Just maybe if I live like a little ways away, this might inspire me to get on my bike and come to your establishment. Whoa, so maybe you want to put up some bike racks. Maybe you want to be more friendly to the people who are going to be coming potentially to your, you know, to your neighborhood and not so not necessarily like, you know, freak out because oh God, we're we're trying to, you know, slow down traffic, make sure people don't die in front of your establishment. So that? like do, do they really think that it, people will be deterred from going to a restaurant if their if their path to the parking lot for the restaurant <clears throat> is slightly changed to where it takes them an extra minute and a half or two minutes to get there? They do think that. They absolutely do think that. They think, and they think that this you know this reduction of parking spaces will impact their bottom line. They do, um, and I, I know because I've heard it in San Jose and Willow Glen when they did this, when they've done this in other business districts. 
Um, and even not some, not even just neighborhood districts, right? Like not even business districts, just places where they're just literally trying to calm down traffic so people don't get, you know, run it over. Um, and, uh, yeah, just folks are up in arms about it because they say it's going to back up traffic. It's going to do this and that and the other thing. It's going to deter people from coming here. And it hasn't. You know, Willow Glen is still standing. Willow Glen is actually thriving. It's one of the few neighborhoods that's still in downtown, downtown Campbell, frankly, who's always been so, you know, fairly pedestrian, bike friendly. Um, thriving, right? Castro Street, Mountain View, thriving. Um, so Murphy Street, Sunnyvale, thriving. So, you know, th- it it stands to reason that uh, if if you try this out, maybe you know, maybe give it a chance, and you never know, maybe your business will actually, you know, thrive and and grow and find new customers. Who knows? Because yeah, like I was I said, gonna you, I was gonna ask the- like these people that are making these claims about how it's going to <clears throat> deter business. You know, if they looked at other similar like areas, I don't know that they would find. Yeah, I don't think that they would find that that's what happened. Yeah, and, and the dude like he he's kind of doing an apples oranges thing. Uh, the the restaurant owner, restaurant tour when he um says you know he's explaining how the traffic the traffic situation right and someone's gonna have to go make a U turn. Here's the bike lane and blah blah blah, and they have to get into the egress. And it doesn't take a mathematician to know that that's gonna hurt my bottom line. It's like that you just a big leap there <laughs> um because god i don't know what your bottom line is right now right and i don't know what you're then it's certainly not you know predicated on that it's more predicated on your you know cost of producing your product and the price you, you sell it for and how interested people are in paying that price that's pretty much you know uh, how they get there is is a lot of times irrelevant if you if you have something people want to come to get they're going to come get it you know what's you know what's crazy is uh before i think it was like in 2017 or 2018 there was a proposal to just shut campbell avenue down from friday at like 6 p.m to sunday at like 6 p.m and you Mm -hmm. know who's you know who was proposing it the businesses yeah of course because they know it's good for them they understand it's good for them and it's it's just more stupidity and fear and um you know irrationality i don't know how to explain it but um it's this just this clinging on to this car mentality. Like if we just can't accommodate more cars, somehow that's just, it's you know we're going to ruin everything. Everything's going to fall apart. Yeah, it's, it's not true. And the and the cars still come. By the way, the cars still come and fill up the lots and fill up the street. You know, it's it's it, it hasn't really hurt business. Um, and there's, there's business not doing good, not not providing a good product. That's what hurts. Business. On that on that stretch of California Avenue, there's two <clears throat> giant. <clears throat> parking garages where most people park for free. It's right. like right off of the main drag, sort of almost the same way in uh, on Campbell Avenue. There's two of these, there's two parking garages kind sure. of on opposite sides of downtown Campbell. Yeah. They have the same kind of thing going on on California Avenue. And that's where most yeah, people you, park. You can't expect people to walk a whole block from the parking structure to your establishment. <laughs> now they'll have to, now they'll have to look out for the bikes while they're walking too, because of the increased right, well, bike traffic. You remember that guy at the, the, the uh, Santa Clara meeting that called in and said the bike bikers are smelly? Do you remember that guy? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. He, he's he's the one leading uh, leading the charge here. Well, maybe they they can walk and they can work off the burger and fries and shake that you sell them. You know. Um. Well, speaking of burgers and fries and shakes and food, oh, I love food so much. I'm so hungry. I have dinner right after this. Uh. Uh. I I guess I I threw this on winners and losers because I felt like it's a loser because I it's just. I, I love this establishment, but to hear that they're they're going on the AI, AI route is, is a little disturbing. But anyway, if you ever wonder what would happen if you asked Jet 
GPT to create a pizza for you? We're going to find out. Bay Area getting ready to celebrate Father's Day. And in the South Bay, one restaurant is taking a slice out of tech for their special pizza of the month. I guess so. Tony and Alba's Pizza and Pasta is using artificial intelligence to generate a Father's Day pizza. KTVU's Alice Wirtz shows us how it's done. On Stevens Creek Boulevard in San Jose, Tony and Alba's Pizza has been family-owned and operated that is since a good the place. 80s. Yeah. We were the first online ordering in the nation, and one of the engineers had our menu online, and you pushed the order that you want, the pizza you wanted to have, and then um, they would it would fax it to our place. This month, co-owner Al Valores used ChatGPT to come up with the pizza of the month. And so I said, okay, AI, let's do it. Father, give me a Father's Day pizza. Within 15 seconds, it produced it. It looked at all things fathers like sausage and pepperoni, and, you know, and barbecuing and stuff like that. Even said use Memphis barbecue sauce and cilantro. His wife Diana says he loves this stuff. He likes technology, of course, and so he's always doing new things and keeping up with that. And so he had designed first he had to write a story about our granddaughters, and then he decided to have it try designing a pizza, and then it came up with these ingredients and it sounded good so we put it on the pizza and put it for the pizza of the month. As the chief pizza officer, Valores the social media, posting the specials and creating the menus of course. Imagine just faxing your order and now you have AI. Now we could all do it but it's just fun to try it you know. Charlotte Fujetta has been coming here for decades. Over 20-30 years. She usually orders the pasta and salad special at lunch. She took a pass at the AI pizza. It's covered in sausage, bacon, red onions, and barbecued sauce. Drizzled over the top, chopped cilantro gives it a pop of green. Okay, that's like a little weird for me, but you know. As to how most customers like the AI pizza? Very well, actually. People come in, mostly millennials will try it. Not as many older people will try it. But most of the younger crowd in the, say, 30s, 40s. As for any other AI tricks for the restaurant? Oh, just the pizza. I think he'll probably be, knowing him, he'll be doing more things. The best part of the Father's Day AI pizza? According to Diana. Our customers are like family. They've been coming for years. Alice Wirtz, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Yeah, that looks good. I kind of want to yeah. go there and get one. Honestly, after I watched it, I mean, that's it, it's a lot of great ingredients in that pizza. Um, still a little disturbing. So we'll, we'll put that under somewhat winners because, you know, pizza is always kind of a winner, right? Um, that's I did a like the good-ass pizza did, place. It is. It is. Actually, uh, Tony Nabas is pretty solid. Uh, and yeah, I did like the story about the first ever online order you had to appreciate that right like you push a button and it triggers a fax <laughs> i could just see you back in the day like rocking that for them like you were the engine the engineer producer dave the engineer helped us get faxing orders in um anyway but okay so yeah i worked I'll, for I'll a company actually that did uh e-fax for a while that was like yeah. the, there was, that was their whole company if you could imagine that company no longer exists i don't even remember the name of the company <laughs> blockbuster no, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, I, you know, I, I might even go try that pizza, to be honest with you. They're, they're close by, so I might, I'll, I'll get, bring a report at the next down ballot. Um, we'll, we'll say that's a winner. Why not? We don't have enough winners on we'll winners call that, and losers. We'll call that a winner. If the pizza okay. would have been nasty, but that looks like a good pizza. I'm not big on barbecue sauce on pizza, but I'd give that one a go. A little drizzle. It's, it's, got, it's got regular pizza sauce underneath the cheese, so that, that the barbecue sauce is just another flavor on top of everything else.
So it might might be interesting. A little tang. So, um, if you could imagine, get your shit together is about the tower, everybody. <laughs> dude, I I just I couldn't help myself. I think I had something else lined up, but then I saw this, and it's just like, yeah, let's go. So Millennium Tower, once again. Now the the champion. for the Millennium Tower is moving into the final phase to support the building on the side. It's tilting the most. NBC Bay Area investigative reporter Jackson Vanderbecken tells us it's happening just in time. Nice tie. Early signs of the tilt reversing on that side didn't last long. The Millennium Tower is now tilting more than 29 inches at the northwest corner. Back in January, engineers announced they had successfully reversed some of that tilt by supporting part of the tower with steel piles sunk down to bedrock along Mission Street. The next phase involves supporting the tower on the west side by transferring more of the tower's weight to 12 piles already sunk along Fremont Street. The goal is to provide more support to stabilize the tower, which FIX officials had credited with starting to reverse its tilt toward the west. But that success, it turns out, has been short-lived and the building is now tilting more to the west than ever here on Fremont Street. That has critics wondering about whether the fix will work in the long term, as advertised. As far as remedial work goes, this is just a mess. Bob Pike is a veteran geotechnical engineer and longtime skeptic of the plan to fix the Millennium Tower. You spend all. Oh, I like the other guy. Remember the other guy's name was like Hamburger or something. Yeah, for sure. Result, long term. The fix engineers rely on two types of measurement of lean. One is tracked with this red line, reflecting trends using rooftop measurements. When the tower was supported back in January, you could see that red line jumped up. Fix engineer Ron Hamburger said that was the sign of tilt reversing itself, recovering back to the east. But in recent weeks, the red line has been heading down, now showing the tower is tilting a half inch more to the west than it was before the tower was supported along Mission Street. Hamburger says that rooftop measurement is prone to weather fluctuations, so he now points to foundation-based measurements, shown here on this purple line, as being more reliable. The purple line shows a quarter inch of additional tilt, an amount Hamburger told us he considers negligible. We are fully confident that following transfer of the remaining design loan to the piles, Hamburger told us in a statement, there will be no further movement of the roof to the west. But Pike says the data shows the tower is once again defying fix engineers' expectations. And there's no way to know if the building will stop tilting after it's also supported to the... We should have Hamburger and Pike on here to debate this. <laughs> the uh, design team has always claimed that there's going to be some rebound after they connect the perimeter piles. So far, the evidence seems to suggest that that's not going to happen. Millennium officials say the work to tie the foundation to the piles on Fremont is expected to start in just days. Jackson Vanderbecken, NBC, Bay Area News. I just can't imagine, like, who was the fucking genius who said, oh, we're going to build this. Um, there's bedrock that we can easily reach, but let's uh, let's just uh, see what happens if we don't do that. Yeah, let's not. Let's just not do that. <laughs> This thing's only like one of the tallest fucking buildings in San Francisco. Let's uh, let's just like the the foundation. Uh, we're gonna put the foundation on on sponge. Okay, great. <laughs> on on landfill, on like a old old uh, you know, 
eggshells and coffee grinds. Um, yeah, again, someone's going to pay for this eventually. I don't know who or when, but someone's going to pay. And as we have always said and will maintain, just tear the freaking thing down. The my, best way to handle it. My God, just tear the fucking building down. Just tear it down. That's the only, it's really the only way to move forward at this point. There's so much, there's been so much money and time spent and agony. Just do it. Like, it's not like, it's not like you, you know, I'm not saying like demolish it. I'm saying carefully take it apart. Yes. Like yes. there's so much, like, all that glass. And rebuild it. Or rebuild it or sell, like, or sell the stuff as you're pulling it off the building. Well, they'll have to because they need to pay off all the people that bought you know, condos in there that are living there right now. This is literally the sunk cost fallacy, as someone just said in, in, in the chat, because the one side of the building is in fact is sinking. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know, I don't, I don't know enough about this, but this has been going on long enough. And this hamburger, this hamburger guy, this hamburger guy, I'm telling you, we need to host a debate between hamburger and Pike. Pike put the smack down. I'm sure they'd come on. We can reach out to them. That'd be great if I if you if oh, I'd have you moderate the debate. It would be so funny. Hello, hamburger Pike. Pike. Yeah, we'd, we'd make it. We'd, we'd make advertisement for it like it's a boxing match. Yes, exactly. <laughs> bow to each other. Yes, bow to the referee. Okay, fight. <laughs> All right. So that was who needs to get their shit together. And you know what? When people talk about San Francisco being a shithole, they never mention the fucking tilt. They never mention the Leaning Tower of uh, Mission Street. <laughs> Why is that? That's because their friends probably fucking own it, right? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, the, the, and it's it's too embarrassing to admit that they've created a boondoggle like this or allowed it to happen in the first place. Because it's still had to get permitting. You still have to get you know inspections and everything else. So someone in public works, obviously, they had a big corruption scandal. Someone fucked up there too and didn't do their 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 homework. So the city's partly responsible for this as well. I think so they should just let the I think they should just let the people of San Francisco just go in and fucking destroy the building. <laughs> just take just take pieces. Like, you need you know those, those rage rooms where you get to like use a sledgehammer on an old microwave and shit. <laughs> just, just rage the whole building. Well, the windows are already falling off anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> did the did, was that one of the buildings a window fell off of? I think so, or at least the neighbor, one of the neighbor buildings, for sure. That area, lots of buildings in that area. They don't make them like they used to. All right, well, let's move on to Down Ballot Watch. We're actually uh, perfect on timing this week, it seems like. We're going to be right out of here right at 45, so that's going to be great. What's, uh, what's going on for uh, Down Ballot Watch? Well, um, primarily this week, it's been budget season uh, at the local level here in uh, the South Bay and really everywhere uh, in cities and counties that work on the fiscal year system. So uh, the city, in San Jose, uh, city of San Jose was approving their budget this week, or at least making the final adjustments to it. And Mayor Ed 209 has uh, long been a proponent of quick build, um, old, you know, uh, cargo crates, you know, uh, types of uh, shelters to house our unhoused neighbors um, and get them to get their ickiness and their icky tents and their icky things off of our streets so that all of the nice white people in San Jose can go out and do their shopping in Alma Den and Willow Glen and they don't have downtown and they don't have to look at the icky homeless people. Um, so he proposed dedicating a whole bunch of money. In fact, all of the money from a recent ballot measure that we all approved for affordable housing, uh, and long-term permanent affordable housing, uh, to, uh, so we wanted to devote all of that money to this emergency housing and nothing to affordable housing. 
um, he had to obviously met with a little bit of resistance to that. And some of that resistance was from activists in the community who decided to take things uh, straight to the horse's mouth, as it were. Well, tense moments today when a South Bay homeless advocate, advocates, plural there, gathered to protest a realtor. At one point, they marched into their offices, which triggered a call to police. NBC's Robert Honda explains why homeless advocates targeted this specific business. Well, today, Mayor Matt Mahan unveiled some budget priorities for some upcoming public hearings, including short and long-term strategies for the homeless, which led to today's protest. The community groups are protesting the Santa Clara County Association of Realtors' support of a controversial proposal by San Jose Mayor Matt Mahan to prioritize more immediate short-term housing over long-term affordable housing projects, which take years to build. The money would come from the taxpayer-approved Measure E, which passed a couple of years ago to address homelessness and affordable housing. One protester said she's grateful for temporary shelters, but not as a solution. I mean, temporary housing in the shelter. How long do you think that'll be? I don't know. It could, it could end any time. You know, so you, you don't know. The frustration boiled over and protesters took their demonstration into the Association of Realtors' office, most refusing to leave even after being told police had been called. Prior to entering, organizers said they were fed up. What they're trying to do is have the homeless all go into temporary shelters or temporary interim units and disappear. And uh, that's not the solution. The solution is permanent, permanently affordable housing. Police arrived as most protesters dispersed there were no arrests. The association said the protesters should pursue peaceful dialogue instead of trespassing and harassing workers. The realtors group disputed the protesters' claims. There couldn't be anything further from the truth. We absolutely support permanent housing, but we also support getting people off the street immediately. The mayor pointed out there's always going to be a debate on long-term versus short-term strategies. At a time like this, with a crisis on our streets, with 4,500 people living in tents and vehicles with no services, no security, 246 of whom died last year, should we spend 80% of the dollars on the long-term solution? That debate will be yes. up again when the budget hearings begin on Monday and will only get more complicated as money for public safety and other services get mixed in. In San Jose, Robert Honda, NBC Bay Area News. So, well, <clears throat> that's bullshit. The fucking thing that <clears throat> I probably didn't vote on it. I probably lived in Campbell at the time. <clears throat> But the, the thing that e. the thing the thing the money was earmarked for permanent housing, right? That was the 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 proposition. Yeah, I mean, it, it as written, yes, it could include emergency housing and did include portions for that. The, the what happened was the council couldn't knew they wouldn't get to a two or thought they couldn't get to a two thirds majority, which is what's required from the voters to pass a special tax, so they could say this tax is absolutely going to fund this right affordable housing or whatever have you right libraries. Um, or parks. Uh, so they didn't think they could get there, so they had to pass pass it more as a general tax, which is a 50% plus one threshold, simple majority. Well, they also, in, in order to try to dedicate the money, they took they passed a council policy that said, this is how we're going to dedicate the monies from this measure, right? So kind of a way around uh, passing a special tax. Um, got it passed. The spending plan passed, and it's been implemented the last couple of years. Mayor Ed Two Hundred Nine decided he wanted to change the plan, so that uh, that that was uh, what what is you know inflamed uh, all of the the ire of the activists who were like, well, one, you're 
you know, you're countering the will of the voters, right? You're going against the will of the voters. And two, the exact point you just you just refuted, right? You know, should we be spending 80% of the money on long-term solutions? Absolutely, because that's why we're in this mess in the fucking first place, is that no one was thinking long-term 20 years ago, right? Looking at this problem straight in the face. Like, this was not an old, this is not an old problem. It's just been made more persistent by COVID and other things and, and the economy. So, um, yeah, you know, we should be looking at long-term solutions, and that's exactly what the activists are pushing. Do I think they should have raided the realtor's office? I don't know. It's not really going to do anything to change the real, the association for realtors opinion on this. And it's not, it also gives them a talking point to, to go to city council, which they did on Monday night, the realtors and say, Oh, these activists, you know, these bad people, they invaded our office and raided our, our files and, and, you know, caused hell. So therefore you should vote for mayor at 209's plan. Um, so, and I don't, so I think this is kind of a winners and losers thing. Cause I think there's losers on both sides of this, but, um, did anyone, day, I did, with Sandy did, Perry. did anyone steal a door from the realtor's office? Wouldn't that be great, right? <laughs> or a, a key? Well, key no, chain. there's a, we, we, on J, on J6, on this channel, we watched as people took a door out of the Capitol building. Oh, right. Yeah. I remember. I'm sorry. I totally <laughs> forgot. Yeah. 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 Did they that, smear that shit on the great. walls? Were they talking I don't about know if they hang, have those kind of doors. They're like, hang Nancy the realtor. Hang Nancy the realtor. <laughs> <laughs> It was like uh, they're like this. If if one of them would have said this was our very own January sixth, I would have just been like, okay, we're we're shutting down the show for the evening, everybody. <laughs> well, um, the good news is that some activists and advocates and and uh, shall we say lobbyists um, went to the people who can actually make decisions, as opposed to the realtors and the council members, and said, hey, we don't think Mayor Ed 209's plan is a good idea, and wouldn't you know it, enough of them agreed that his plan was thwarted. San Jose Mayor Matt Mahan's plan to tackle the city's homeless crisis took a major blow during last night's city council meeting. They passed a budget plan, but at the center of the discussion was affordable housing and interim housing, like shelters, two things that are desperately needed in the city. Now, the lengthy conversation last night focused on how to spend Measure E dollars. Voters approved the measure back in 2020 as a general tax to fund both affordable and temporary housing. And that was the debate. Permanent solutions are needed, but there are also many people who are homeless now who need immediate solutions. So how much money goes toward each? Mahan wanted to divert a significant amount of money from affordable housing into interim housing like shelters. Number one question I got across the city was, what are you going to do to accelerate the rate at which we can get people out of encampments? What are you going to do to get people out of encampments now? And out of my neighborhood. I just don't think those folks can wait five years or 10 years or 15 years. I don't think our community and our city can. Well, his proposed plan failed in the city council. Instead, there was a compromise. Some money will be diverted from affordable housing and toward interim solutions, but not nearly as much as Mahan would have liked. Mahan said he was disappointed, but that it is a move in the right direction and that it's a conversation that will certainly be brought up again when talking about next year's budget plan. Amanda. Yo, and we will thwart you again. Good. Good on the city council because the fucking... The we've we've well not we I didn't live in San Jose again I probably lived in Campbell when that happened but the people of San Jose voted for the the housing not for shelters yes and the good news is that the council at the time they were smart they knew that any given Tuesday the council or a new mayor could decide to change the plan so when they passed the spending plan they also passed a provision that you needed a two thirds vote to overturn the plan so he actually would have needed eight votes out of the eleven council members to to pass his plan 
I think he did. I don't think he got to that. I think it actually failed by a simple majority too, but I don't, he did, definitely didn't get to eight votes. Um, and this is just a great example of, you know, the mayor is not the chief executive in San Jose. They still have one vote out of 11 and the mayor right now does not control a majority on the council. In fact, there's a majority aligned against him. So he's going to have a hard time passing anything that he wants to. However, there are council members we're finding that are willing to make compromises and willing to meet him halfway. And perhaps he wanted this. This is where he wanted to end up af- at the end of the day. After all, is you know making some progress and just starting from the extreme position, which is kind of good negotiating and working your way back. Right? Maybe he he freaked everyone out to the point that they were willing to accept a compromise. Right? When really this, we shouldn't have accepted any change at all. You should just keep the damn plan that you had in place. Keep the plan that the voters passed. Right? and stay the course for long-term solutions. So um, the fact that there was any money diverted at all to me is a victory for the mayor in a way. Um, although he's not really taking a victory lap. So, you know, um, maybe maybe he did want more and think he thought he could get more, but um, it's kind of arrogant in my opinion. But the, the, <clears throat> I mean, he's going to be up against it the whole time because I think not only on a policy level, but it seems to me <clears throat> that some of the people on the council just don't like him on a personal level. And That's very so, true. So it's going to be, it would be even, even like, it's it's harder to persuade people who just don't like you on a personal level. Yeah, no, it's and it's it's very that is very true too. So, um, and those folks will cycle off. You know, he can try to get some allies onto the council in the next set of elections and series of elections because he'll be there for ten years. I don't I don't see him getting voted out next year necessarily because um, I don't think he's going to do any harm, and he'll probably make an, enough progress that he can point to that and all the people who voted him in because they wanted change they wanted something new they wanted someone who would stir the pot um so they got it uh but the question is is it effective well he can probably sell it as being effective in in a campaign whether or not it actually is effective is going to be histories to decide i hope somebody i hope somebody runs against him who takes like a stronger like position against him than uh, his opponent last time (laughs) If there is one, it's gonna. If there's an opponent at all, it's gonna be Cindy Chavez again. Um, so we're gonna we'll go through the same we'll Cindy, go through the same ringer again. Cindy, call me. Call yeah, me I know, Cindy. right? Call me Cindy. I got her, I got her cell. I'll I'll text you her cell number. <laughs> I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. I played bocce ball with her the, the, a couple weeks ago. Oh, look at you all, all fucking hobnobbing with a uh, oh. <laughs> Because you you commiserated about both having lost your race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, we're both we're both two time losers, actually. So um, yeah, oh, it, it is what it is. What it is. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I, I neg all my co hosts. Don't worry about it. It's, it's not no, just it's you. No problem. You should you it's should no hear problem. how I talk to HK. <laughs> oh no, this it's it, it was a humbling experience, and I, I it actually taught me a lot. So um, and it, it introduced me to you. So I probably wouldn't yeah. have met you otherwise. So good for that. Yeah, good for that. And, uh, this this show never would have existed if I hadn't lost. Yeah, we're still like pro- basically the only show that really the only podcast about like uh, Bay Area news that's focused on San Jose. Yeah, if I had won, I would have been a council member still to this day until next year at least. Um, and uh, yeah, there's no way I could have done this podcast and been a council member at the same time. So. <laughs> no chance. All right, we're we're uh, we're about to the end here, but we always like to do a, a positive story at the end, so we call yes. it and another thing. And this is a Cuddle Club. This is cute. It pairs us senior citizen humans with senior citizen puppers. And let's uh, let's take a look at uh, KPIX's coverage of this very wholesome story. 
Well, we all know that human interaction is important at every age, but especially for seniors. It's estimated about 20 million older adults have feelings of loneliness. Itai mm -hmm. Hodge shows us a unique place in San Francisco where seniors are finding companionship. After a rough couple of years, 77-year-old Kay Livingston is off to see some old friends. Just like her, their bodies are a little slower and they may be a tad grayer. Finding your name. But their hearts are full of love. And in this case, their tails are still wagging. Welcome to Cuddle Club, a place that combines senior dogs with senior citizens. Oh, and I'm getting a bath. Once a month, this group meets at the Muttville Senior Dog Rescue in San Francisco for an hour of pure relaxation with man's best friend. Hi, Mama. All you need is to be at least 62 years old or nine in dog years. How are you today? Kay lost her beloved Oliver in 2005. She would have gotten another dog, but life threw her a curveball, landing her in a medically induced coma for more than a year. I've been uh, recovering from a stroke, and so, uh, Oh dear. It's been a rough time. It's been a rough time, exactly. Which is why these cuddles from these senior dogs are just what the doctor ordered. I need some dog love. Oh. I need some dog hugs. Angela DiMartino is Muttville's community engagement manager. She says the cuddle club is a win-win for both humans and their furry friends. Our dogs get a whole hour of cuddles, lap time, and attention. Uh, the folks that come and join us, a lot of them are people that can't afford a dog, can't have a dog, but are dog lovers. Turns out, cuddling with a dog is good for the soul, and not just in theory. Researchers in Switzerland found that seeing, feeling, and touching a dog can boost neurons in the prefrontal cortex, the area of the brain that helps regulate emotional interactions. Hi, Gilbert. As for Kay, an hour with these cute mutts was the perfect pick-me-up. It's better than sex. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> it's a powerful reminder that a cuddle goes a long way. Does that feel good? And that sometimes the best therapy is a little dose of puppy love. Oh, how can you not just fall in love with all of... Look at that little guy. Oh, my gosh. So cute. Well, Muffville also helps older dogs. <laughs> she, was, she was a senior. Homes. It's rescued more than 10,000 dogs since it started in 2007. Aww. They are so special. Yay. She got to she got to ad lib a little bit too. I love it when you that was you, cute. You see local news, you you could tell like some of these anchors or the 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 presenters or whatever. They're like super happy just to be able to like ad lib a little bit because you know their job is mostly to read copy, and so For these sure. kind of human interest stories give them a chance to be a bit human themselves. Because like being a, a being a newscaster sometimes. on like uh like one of the major news stations is a lot different than like what we're we're doing here, right? It's you know they have they have rules. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the only boss here is uh, the uh, the people who uh, pay for this project to exist. So, 
And uh, speaking of which, I think I'm going to read out this week, if that's okay, Councilman. I think that's totally fine. And I think we should uh, and just give a big quick shout out to all of our local anchors and reporters, um, especially LaMonica Peters, who did not make an appearance this week, amazingly enough. Um, maybe she got a week yeah, off. She deserves it. Yeah, we love all of you. So maybe, yeah, maybe she, maybe she took the week off. Who knows? Anyway, we'll see you all next week on Down Ballot. Read us out, sir. So everybody, thanks for tuning into Down Ballot. The show's live every Tuesday on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. That's uh, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. If you're uh, listening to this podcast, go ahead and follow us on Twitch. Uh, if Twitch isn't your thing, though, there's uh, ways to support this podcast, patreon.com slash Echoplex, or our favorite way for you to support this podcast is at eplex.store. Shout out to Fourth Wall. Um, we're going to be moving studio again at the end of uh, July, and I just want to thank everybody uh, for your love and support over the years. The last move was made much easier by people purchasing things on the uh, Amazon wish list, which you can find at echoplexmedia.com slash support. And uh, just by donating money to us uh, when we had to move last year. And so I just wanted to thank everybody for that. And uh, you know, if you're so inclined, go ahead. And uh, other ways to help us out is just to tell friends about our show. Uh, everybody watching, listening live, stay put. We're going to come back in a few minutes. I'll let a couple songs rock and we're going to come back for Conspiracy Bingo. Get your bingo cards ready. This is uh, Audible Smoke Signal. This song is called Locals. And I'll see you guys in uh, 10 minutes, something like that. Stretch and uh, rearrange the studio. Be right back. To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We now get the fuck up on and like the scene, yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man. Cause you know where we are We're headed out to the car To smoke another one And another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing And you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it And then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band A stoner E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy The truth is, is that I don't think logically Stoner E, take you on a psychic
psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rockin' the rollie, all that sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do it sloppily We do what we want, what we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band get enough echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live then join our discord server at discord.me echoplex we have text channels voice channels meme repositories and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from come join the now space on discord at discord.me echoplex